Welcome to the Central Public Library. How can I help you? Uh, yeah, I would like to return the book. Okay, well, the return slot is just over there. N- no, you don't understand. I seem to be having problems with it. What seems to be the problem? Are the pages missing? No, all the pages are there. Well, then what's the issue? Um, the book keeps yelling at me. Yelling at you? Yeah, like it's mad at me. Because I am mad at you, you disgusting little cockroach. Never before have I been so insulted. Oh, my. Yeah, I have no idea what I did to piss it off. It? You will address me by my proper name. I am Grimoire Vice, the ultimate tome of ancient wisdom. See, it keeps yelling that, then shooting lasers everywhere. You don't even want to know what it did to the dog. Well, you know, see, this is one of more, shall we say, our quirky books in our collection. He uh, gets a little testy if you don't call him by his proper name. I heard that, you vile literature winch. Do not patronize me. This mortal doesn't know how to treat a tome of my caliber that contains such wisdom. Okay, calm down there, Grimoire Vice. What did the man do to you? This insufferable creature gave me to a child. A child. which proceeded to mark up my pages with crude drawings. The indignity of it all. Hey, I found it in the kids' section. I saw all the dots and symbols, and I thought it was an activity book. An activity book? I will not suffer these insults any longer. Now, come on, Grimoire Vice, calm down. I'm sure this is all a big misunderstanding. I'm sorry, sir. I'll take care of this. Here, have a coupon for a free copy. Coffee is an apology. Ooh, thank you. I guess I'll be on my way. Now, as for you, Mr. Moody Book, we've talked about this. What have I told you about hanging out in the kids' section? I, I cannot help it. I... I, I need to partake of some of that clever man. What was his name again? Dr. Seuss? Yes, his his kind words and beautiful drawings soothe these old pages. Here, I will make you a blanket fort behind the desk and bring you some more Seuss, as long as you stay out of the kids' section. I, I would like that very much. And retrieve the Lorax. I haven't finished that one. Hey baby, here's the game to call in. Backlog's growing at alarming rates. Mercy. And maybe you seem a bit confused, RP gamers. Kev will set you straight. <laughs> but Matt don't know what to do with those saga games or FFA. He's playing again. Neptunia games all over this place. What is a boy to do? Hello and welcome to RPG Backtrack, your regular deep dive into your favorite RPGs. We are a production of RPGamer.com, bringing you such fine podcasts like RPG Cast, your weekly news show, Q&A Quest, your weekly RPG feedback show, and us, your bi-weekly nostalgia show. I am your host, Kelly Ryan, and with me, as always, my podcast partner in crime, the near to my Yona, Mr. Matt Mason. Hey, 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 here I am. I'm always nearby. For- forgive the pregnant pauses in the intro. My cat was trying to bite my mic cord. <laughs> trying to keep reading and stop him before I did go actually dead air. Um, anyway, uh, it- it's November, guys. Woo! Yes, it is. 
I'm not hearing a lot of enthusiasm, but it, it is Yoko Taro, so... Uh. Well, I was going over my notes for this game, and every every other page is like, oh, that was depressing. Oh, that was depressing. <laughs> oh, man, that was a gut punch. That was depressing. <laughs> my, um, my assessment of Yoko Taro games is he was lo- looking at what... Uh, Hideo Kojima was doing at the time and said, hold my beer. <laughs> a lot more. I don't know. Like this is the, the, the near games, especially there. They evoke emotions even more so in a way than, than, than I feel like the middle gear games do just. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, that that's about right. But by the way, that voice you hear is Josh Carpenter. I forgot to introduce our guests. Hey there. And, and then we've also got Pascal Takaya. Um, I'm ending D. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, so you no. deleted <laughs> is that ending d oh, yeah yeah that's yeah. ending d yeah that's good stuff <laughs> are we spoiling that already now um I, we'll we'll have to get into yeah this will be uh, full of spoilers because these games are kind of impossible to talk about without it and we're just doing um gestalt slash replicant tonight and then the, in the next two weeks we're going to do automata uh, mainly to give pascal more time to finish automata if you haven't already i'm working on it um <laughs> i've got ending a in the bag um at least in Automata, you're not repeating a lot of shit that you were in Gestalt Just Replicant. Because, my God, I, I had to run through the game like four times to get all the endings. And I got so tired of some of the cutscenes. Especially that gauntlet at the end. Yeah, because that part is kind of like the same each time. Or fairly similar each time. There's differences. Yep. Subtle. But we'll get into that a little bit more during the show proper. Um, after a brief musical interlude with some pretty kick-ass music from this game. That's what I love about this series is that it has some bitchin' music, but we, we will be right back and we'll just dive in with Nier Gestalt slash Replicant. RPG Backtrack, where we are talking about Nier, uh, the first game in the series. In, in North America, it was just called Nier and released on April 24th, 2010. Um, and I didn't know until the enhanced remake of Replicant that this was two different, well, two sort of different games in Japan. So for the PS3 release, the protagonist was a kid and related to the the sister named Yona as a brother. And then for the 360, the protagonist is an adult and is the father of Yona. And I found out that the reason why they did it like this is because they thought that the Japanese audience would prefer the younger protagonist, while the American audience would prefer the older one. 
And they only released the older one called Gestalt in on the PS3 and Xbox 360 back in the day. Um, I had no idea about any of this until later, uh, more or less 10 years later, when um, they, they put out Near Replicant. And I'm not going to say all those numbers because no, um, for the PS4 and Xbox One. And this is the enhanced remake of Replicant. And I... I just remember being like, oh, what, wait, there, there was two different versions of that game. <laughs> so, yeah, that I appreciate that kind of weirdness with releases, but, but that's such that's a stupid amount of work from that, that yeah. sort of a thing. <laughs> and what, finding out further that the, the game is pretty much the same side from mm-hmm. like different, slightly different dialogue referring to the brother or, or uh, father. But that just seems so such such a weird thing to do. So the first question I need to ask is, which version did you all play? So I played both. I played the original on PS3 way back when. I don't even think I got to the first ending when I was playing it, though. I think I, I think I was picking it up many years after it came out and kind of playing through and kind of got distracted by other things. And so I played the, the remake when it came out two years ago. Um, I played a replicant, even though I bought the originals. Um, with the intention of playing them, and then found out about Replicant. I was like, well, I might as well play the newer, better version. Um, what about you, Pascal? Yeah, same. Uh, I, I, I reviewed and played Replicant. I had um, actually bought um, Automata, had it on my shelf, and I'm weird, so I don't like playing a second game in a series if I haven't played the first. And at one point, I finally heard that they were uh, re is it fair to call it a remake? I think so. Yeah, it, it was pretty much a ground-up remake. Yeah, and when I heard about that, I thought that was great news, because then I could play Replicant, and then I would have no problem playing Automata after. So, only Replicant. So, uh, among the three of us, only Josh has any familiarity with the uh, the older generation versions of the game. And I, I had heard, and I, be- I believe that part of the reason why the game didn't do very well in the U.S., except for maybe having a cult following, was that the graphics looked kind of bad. It, it was not a very pretty-looking PS3 game. It definitely looked was very muddy, very brown, and it very much looked like you know something even that could have been. It wouldn't have been out of place on even the PS2. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I just, I can't think that's the only reason. Like, there's so much in the game that should transcend any, any like graphical downfall. I. Oh. I think it's yeah. Go ahead. Well, I mean, some of that also was like I'm not I'm not sure what reviewers knew. I I know it did really poorly in reviews at the time, and I'm not sure reviewers at the time exactly knew what to make of it. You know, when people were playing it, lots of people didn't even. Lots of reviewers you could tell just didn't only played the got to the first ending maybe, and then that was it, and kind of reviewed it on that. And part of the game, certainly a lot of the story doesn't really open up and have impact yeah. until you're getting to those later playthroughs. Yeah, no, I was I was agreeing with you for sure. I what I was saying is I I, I think that uh um, I just don't think that the score wa- that the the low scores were warranted based solely on graphics. Like I mean I think no, that is no. what happened, but I think that was you know uh, in hindsight probably not the right call for those reviews. Um, so I mean I I think that uh the the um the remake benefited enormously from having Automata come out. 
and do as well as it did. And then people were, I don't know, prepared, open, ready, you know, somehow to to give the game like an actual shot when it when it was remade. And some of that is probably self-selection. The people, you know, like now it's well known and the people who are reviewing it are often the people who want to be reviewing it, you know, mm-hmm. rather than just it, it being like a second kind of like a second tier, smaller RPG that nobody's heard of that may just get fobbed off on someone on the site. Yeah, and I I feel like back in the 360 and PS3 days that there was a very huge backlash on um, Japanese uh, RPGs and particularly the really weird ones. And I think that kind of didn't help help the game either that you know it's it's a japanese action rpg and it's also weird as hell and pe- people yeah, just too didn't weird like for that. the room yeah, yeah. didn't like that in that era well i mean it's it's technically part of the drakengard series but drakengard itself is a really kind of small niche series and you wouldn't even know that unless you like really go and do a ton of research the the ties between it because it's not in the title it's not exactly like that's something they're slapping on the <laughs> On, on the canister, like oh, from the Drakengard series, yeah, yeah, that's a mm-hmm. tiny series nobody nobody knows, or if they know of it, it it was also notorious for kind of like not running very well on the PS2, if my memory serves. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the same. That's the same console generation where Demon Souls was. Um, I I can't remember like the the full layout of the how the story goes, but it was you know thought to, it was going to be a failure or it was considered a failure. It was like what pup it was. Uh, Sony put or, money into it or, and then decided they weren't even going to bring it to yeah. the U.S. and then then Atlas yeah. picked it up. Yeah, yeah, like sold sold for what like pennies on the dollar probably mm-hmm. the publishing rights. Um, and so that was the era that that near um uh rep. And, and Gestalt came out, and so yeah, uh, I think we're in a different time now. Uh, people are more prepared for the weird <laughs> and embrace it because I mean, even though the game didn't do very well, it kind of became a little bit of a cult hit. Yeah, I mean, it also has going against it that it does not in any way, shape, or form attempt to help help the the player understand its story, and and no. never mind any backstory whatsoever. I mean, if you don't go out and do the legwork and read up on on Dragon Guard yourself. You're just out of luck. Oh, oh, thankfully, there's no shortage of uh, multi-hour video essays on the entire Yoko Taro verse. Well, I mean, it's also a game that is like aggressively like hitting you in the face, you know, like taking your hand, slapping you in the face and asking you, why are you hitting yourself in the face? You know, (laughs) it makes you do all of the stupid RPG stuff that every RPG does. And the whole time, Grimoire Vice is there going like, why are you doing this stupid RPG stuff? Like, oh, God, now we're going to have to go and save that woman, aren't we? Oh, geez. Aren't, Aren't we supposed to be saving your sister? Why are we wasting our time with this? Yeah, the the game definitely knows what it is and goes out of its way to point it out, which as somebody who's been playing RPGs for 25 years, I I appreciate it when games are self-aware like that. Um, that doesn't change the fact that some of those quests are kind of a pain in the ass. I'm I'm thinking of like aggressively painful sometimes. Yes. I'm thinking of a certain one that involves breaking things that made me want to cry. Oh but gosh, we'll get... the, the the fishing mini games. Uh, yeah, the, the fishing mini games. The uh, I I think there was a quest where I was trying to get a chicken to spawn in an area, and I just no a chicken egg, and I think I ran a, ran in and out of the area like 
a hundred times trying to get the stupid chicken egg to spawn for a quest. And the whole um, time Vice is yelling at me, why am I why am I even bothering? It's like, because I gotta finish all the side quests. Because I believe but, um, it was you told me, Josh, that the end, the best ending depends on how, how many weapons you have. I think so, if memory serves. Um, and there's also, you know, the game is split into two halves, and you have to finish the side quests in the first half before you go oh, to the second half of the game. Right, I forgot about the time skip. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, I, you boot up the game, and for some reason you're in the future, and all of the stuff is going on in the convenience store, and then suddenly it blasts to what what could either be the past or the far flung post apocalyptic future. Which now well, that I think I think what it actually is because of it being tied to a Dragon Guard game. Yeah, I think it's technically the future. I think it's like fourteen hundred years in the future. Yeah, yeah. It, it says it there on the. It, it does tell you in game when you jump forward. It's uh fourteen hundred and I don't know twenty seven years or whatever in the future. Yeah. So you skip forward a millennium and a half. But somehow it's all the same people. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah. long time. Uh, so so kind of the, the gist of the story of the game is that you're either the brother or the father and you have this, this sister who is co- constantly sick and constantly getting kidnapped by monsters and you have to go rescue her. And that's about the uh, most basic of the story I can give because it goes all sorts of places after that. Um, obviously, you find the, the grimoire vice who is this ancient tome that um, is helping you try to find a basically using his magic to find a cure for Yoda's disease, which is called the Black Scrawl. Um, you encounter a woman named Kaine, who is extremely hot-tempered, and Grimoire Vice loves to call her a hussy the whole time. And then, well, well, uh, well, she's running around in basically underwear in the entire game. Yeah, yeah it, it's just kind of like a nighty. Um, leaves nothing to the imagination. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> And and then you also run into a blindfolded boy named Emil who can petrify people with his sight. Oh, poor Emil! And and then later gets turned into a robot who kind of becomes the mascot of the series. Well, at least the head. Um, and, and yeah, that's the most basic explanation I can give because the story just kind of goes places and never really explains itself. Um, well, I watched some videos in preparation for the podcast. Um, some videos that were just like plot summaries just to kind of refresh my memories and then other videos that like did a deeper dive and explain also like the connections to the dragon guard series and i guess the backstory is <laughs> i mean it's been a few years since i've played it but i certainly i walked out of that video thinking i i i didn't know any of that like i literally knew not even a single word of what what that man had been talking about for um 12 or 15 minutes um it is that's how how adamant the game is about not giving away any if you don't know it yourself you're not going to find out in this game how it connects to um the series what the things that it references are uh, you know like i guess the well, the the whole idea of replicants and gestalts and the black scrawl and everything like ties back to the events. One of the endings of Drakengard Two, I think. Right. Um, yeah. So you have two different types of humans: the 
gestalts and the replicants? Is it one of them artificial? Or well, basically, okay. So <laughs> I'm not trying to sound like I know it because again, I'm going to recite what this man said <laughs> in the video that I had no clue about prior to watching this video. Um, but it's uh, because of like some sort of, for lack of a better word, disease, like kind of like taking out the human race in, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of Drakengard. Um, at some point, humans figured out how to split their, their souls and their bodies into right from each other. And so their souls are the gestalts and the, the is it, I don't know if it's the physical bodies or if they're, if they're meant to be artificial bodies, um, like, you know, even from the beginning, if they're always artificial, but so the physical form, let's say, is the um, are the uh, the replicants. So technically, neither is fully human. And if they were to combine back together, they would be human. And I, I mean, that's kind of the conceit of the game. That's like the story that's happening behind the scenes. I mean, you aren't told this until I have no idea when you find out near the ending of maybe the first run or maybe not even until like a subsequent run, run later on. You certainly don't know it for most of your um, probably the majority of your playtime that like the idea is basically now that so much time has passed. Uh, the powers that be are trying to, I think, initialize like the rejoining of the two halves yeah. to like kind of bring back the human race. Yeah. And you're and you don't know this and your character do- doesn't know this. And every action you take is basically preventing this from happening like you're uh, you're unwittingly fighting against the human race reviving itself and, and all the shades that you have been fighting you know these shade monsters you fight throughout the game are actually the remnants of the you know human souls that's why every time when you fight one they bleed and they drop books <laughs> so the entire first time you're playing through this so, so the whole conceit of near is that you play through the game multiple times and to get mm-hmm. different endings so the first time you play through you know you're 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 playing it like a video game you're going along you're killing everything in front of you because you're playing a video game that's what you do and yeah. when you flip it around and you start the when once you get the first ending and you start wait, wait, playing it okay sorry can i object? it's not Go. and it isn't just what you do i mean they give you a great reason to do it because mm-hmm. you're trying to save your sister. Well, okay, like the no, yeah, the whole way through, you're trying to save your sister. First, you're trying to find a cure for her disease. That's that covers like the first quote unquote half of that of the the first run through. And mm-hmm. then and as events unfold, she is abducted. Kidnapped. Yeah, she gets yeah. Taken, yeah. And so then then it becomes about freeing her. But the whole time, you're trying to save your sister. I mean, you have a great reason to go mm-hmm. kill the monsters that are keeping your sister from you and putting her in danger it's not just because that's what you do it's like no you got to save somebody you know you got to save your family and and, and the main character is just completely hell-bent on that mission like Mm -hmm. nothing even phases him like you you get later in the game and the the little village the airy that kanye is from like emil kind of like wipes it out you know like his powers go loose yeah. and he wipes out the entire village he's distraught and devastated Kaine is kind of like silently you know she's very stoic about it but the main character doesn't even give a crap about that he's totally focused on getting his sister back and saving her you know he doesn't care about all the people who just died he's you know he has a singular focus all the way through so so you're going through that the first time through like you said it's a very you know very traditional plot line like i'm going to save my sister and then the second time through you're you're playing as kaine and kaine is like she is um 
been merged with one of the shades. So she gets this internal dialogue where you can actually hear what the shades are saying. So the whole time your second playthrough, you're getting the dialogue that's actually was happening all the time. That's when you start realizing like, oh, crap, these things were, you know, these, you know, these people were they weren't just doing it to be evil to me. They were doing, they had their own motivations. They were saving their families. They were doing it because humans, you know, the, uh, the shells were coming along and, you know, attacking their friends. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's all portrayed now. Now, like you're the bad guy, basically. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, I, that is messed up. Yeah, and I mean, I, that's the whole point of getting to the end. The shadow keeper, you know, like it, it gets into that duality of like, uh, you know, humans have been split between their souls and, the shells and the 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 whole reason that the bad guy was stealing Yona was because Yona was supposed to be the shell for his sister. Oh, so he was trying to say the whole time it's he was trying to save his sister, just like the main character was trying to save his. Yeah, um, I mean the whole game is filled with so many different like emotional. It's a it's a roller coaster. If, oh, if totally. You if you can't find anything that like makes you choke up. I guess um, it, it's you know it's that would be surprising like if it's not the narrative then you know maybe like the characters because maybe we'll talk about more that more later but um, there's some really 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 excellent characters in this game um, but so yeah and not but like you were saying that they you find out that the um, the enemies weren't like just trying to be evil to you but I mean I would like turn it around even further than that not only were they not evil at all um turns out you're the evil one i mean not yeah. like knowingly but your actions wouldn't stand up in any like court of law if you like put them in full context you are doing horrible things like inhumane uh just you didn't know you were doing it you know um like uh um, the first pair of boss, I, I, well, I, I, are they the first? I think they are. Definitely, they're early on. It's a a pair of statues that that this is when you first go and like find Yona the first time she like goes up uh, goes missing, and when you find Grimoire Vice, uh, it's a a pair of statues with like glowing eyes, and you know it's pretty pretty ordinary like boss fight, right? Like mm-hmm. um, statues with like sword wielding, and anyway, you beat them, and then in the second playthrough, um, you get little uh, like little vignettes that show you what they're doing before you get to them like uh little uh, little scenes to show what their daily life was like before the they encountered you and it's like they're like taking care of each other and they're taking care of the the shades around them and they, you know they're forming like this little bonded unit and then one day here uh near shows up and slaughters them mercilessly while they're like pleading for him to leave them be that's uh pretty horrendous and, and oh, because it's a video game you feel like you kind of have to do it oh yeah uh, well, the, the other one i'm thinking yeah. of is is in the factory and the first time you go through the factory the the final That's boss the is like this the yeah the, this huge robot that you've been told i, I believe that they, they tell you before you go in that like oh this shade has taken control of this robot and it's just you know like causing havoc you got to do something about it you got to fix yeah. this problem for us and then the second you you know of course you go through well, you and, wipe it out and kill everything and also they 
killed um the 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 the, boy the shop owners that, like, yeah the shop owner's brother like so yeah. they're also murderous they're not just out of control but they've also they've already murdered one of ours you know and go in there and get revenge and kill them and so you do and what do you what do you find out <laughs> the second time around of course you find out that like oh actually it was the what was it they were trying to save the uh, guy when he got killed? I, was yeah, save I, him I, or something. I thought it was the shop own because the two brothers were shop owners, and it was their mother mm-hmm. because their mother, their mother was was in there. Um, I think the first time we, I think that the first time you go in the factory when you're your younger self, like in the first half of the game, right, to find the mother. When you revisit during the second half of the game, so the part that you play over and over again, the second half with the the slightly more adult version of you, that's when it's one brother has already been killed inside the factory and been sent to to well get revenge by taking out the um, the machines that have gone amok, right? And the shades that are in there controlling the machines. Um, and the, but then what you what you don't know what the player. Finds and what Nier doesn't know is that uh, the uh, the shade is actually um, the soul of a small child that was lost in the factory, like lost his parents in the factory. And he was basically adopted yeah. by a robot, like a surrogate. Pa- so the robot has, has become this surrogate parent. And so they are now like a loving family. Again, this is all, you know, they're <laughs> a very non-traditional family. And they're only, what, they're only dreaming is to one day make it out of the factory and see the world and before they get the chance here you come (laughs) (laughs) and you slaughter them (laughs) slaughter them and it's and and since the player gets to um since since kaine can understand them in the second run through you have to listen to like their pleas for mercy while you still kill them i mean it's it's, it's rough. Of, it's yeah, it's you brutal know, towards you, towards the player. I, I'm starting to feel like this game was subversive about RPGs before Undertale kind of came and made it a little bit more obvious. Am I, am I hitting something there? I mean, you know, technically Moon was much earlier, but oh, yeah, right. yeah, this is right. This um, is very I, much in that same vein of like flipping things on its head. Like mm-hmm. you're maybe not the good guy. <laughs> Yeah, you have your I, motivation, but your motivation has consequences that maybe you're just slightly oblivious to. Yeah, I, I forgot about Moon. I I need to play that at some point. Um, and and, and it doesn't help that the the game kind of makes fun of video game tropes in a way because you have the the one mansion where the game turns into Resident Evil with the fixed camera perspectives and the isometric perspective yeah I think the the human experiments that you uh find uh, dig up uh evidence on mm-hmm. well, um, human, I, I guess but I I think there's also one that's supposed to be poking fun at Metal Gear if I'm remembering right mm, probably sure that is <laughs> Um, you know, you know just kind of going going into various video game game stuff that reminds you that you are pl- playing a video game, but you're also in a video game being a mm-hmm. horrible person. Well, when we were we when I was watching the uh, the story synopsis earlier um, for 
a part of it, maybe like 10, no, not even for for like five minutes. um, My girlfriend kind of like sat in the room and listened to just a a small piece. And I think we were, we might've been watching the part about the factory that we were just discussing at that time. Anyway, Uh um, she has no idea of the game, but she made a comment on like, wow, this, you know, this sounds fascinating or something. I forget exactly what she said. And um, then I was talking to her about um, shadow of the Colossus, which would even predate um, near. Yeah. it's that same you know, shadow of the Colossus was, was the, uh, the earlier game that I can think of where you're doing all this killing and you, you know, you feel bad about it and you know, it's wrong. And at the end, it's basically p- proven that the, you were the monster all along. And it's this really weird melancholy, but like sadly beautiful, like emotional realization, I guess. And I'm not surprised that people say the same thing about Nier that like some people do as they do about Shadow, which is like games as art. You know, it's that Mm -hmm. artistic, Mm -hmm. very uh, artistic feeling. I don't know how to put that into words, really. And, and, you know, stories like this, you got to be careful with, because if you get way too heavy handed, then you're just alienating players and pissing them off. Um, I, I know I've seen movies like this where it's like, oh, we were the bad guy the whole time. And the, 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 that just made me want to do the hand jerk off motion because of just how ham fisted it was. But, the, but this the game does a very good job of not being that that type of game you know what i mean and, and part of it is that whole setup of the multiple playthroughs that for mm-hmm. you have that entire first playthrough which, which is one of the things when i heard about you know when i you know going into the game i knew that was the conceit that you played it multiple times you had different endings you played through at least one section of it over and over and over again and and you know like you hear that and it sounds terrible like why would i want to play the exact same section over and over again and i think it's probably done better although we're not talking about automata it's probably done a little bit better in automata but in this one like well. like i said you have well we'll see well like i said we'll get to that <laughs> next next time um but in this one like th- that's the whole setup you know you have that first time where you build up your expectations and then you have the second one that kind of like reveals what's actually going on and i think that's why it works so well and it is so clever and that the gameplay itself is so fun because I love that kind of action combat, um, running around, uh, slicing things with a sword and using the magic to basically t- turn the game into a bullet hell. Although I yeah. I was reading that when they did the Replicant remake, they had the guy from Platinum kind of redo the combat to make it more like Automata. And I I didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. So did did just all or did the uh, 360 version feel kind of did the combat feel different or do you not remember? It's been a long time. My memory is that it was kind of like slower and clunkier than slower it was. It wasn't is, right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I it's been too long for me to really remember the the distinct differences in it anymore. Because it was like man, this combat. I could do this all day. I loved going around and slicing things up. You know? Good, you, do, you actually have to do it all day. <laughs> you uh, you talk about the the factory. Um, I I think I ran through that place so many times because it was one of the best places to get rare parts and uh, money to upgrade your equipment because you get a ton of different swords that you can play around with. 
Yeah. The one of the only things that I didn't care about from the replaying things over and over again aspect is um not a lot of I mean there's not a ton of dungeons anyway. Um but there's one dungeon in particular that gets a little bit more into puzzles than some of the others, I think. I don't Yeah. Don't ask me what they're called. It's it's just the sand probably, dungeon I remember. Yeah, I don't remember what yeah. it's called. Oh, so oh, I wasn't yeah. even thinking that one. Okay. I know I was thinking the uh the old temple or whatever you oh, may call okay, it. Yeah. But uh, apparently there's more than more than one. I know the, the sand town when you go to it is a little bit uh, annoying to also navigate because mm-hmm. it's, it's large and like it takes a while to get through it. I feel like uh, that I like less. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to solve puzzles over and over again. Combat is one thing that's different. Okay. So I mean, it, it's a small nitpick. Like in general, I, I didn't really feel like my time was being wasted that much because there is, enough like new new content when you play that you get to experience that you get to experience and and not not only is there enough new content but it's also engaging enough mm-hmm. um this is the thing i hated about playing the game over and over again was that bit on the beach where you had to fight that one boss that i learned later uh it was a new addition to the replicant game that that was like much more fleshed out in the remake versus the original but that damn sea boss uh you know i, I was what, trying what, to say what was that even in the original release i don't think so you said it's more fleshed out i think it's all all new isn't it yeah you mean the uh like the the kind of like crack and um yeah on the the um the beach ship that you explore mm-hmm. i thought that was completely new to the remake i i believe it is mm-hmm um, which is, uh, again, like, that's awesome. I mean, that's, you can play that, I think, in your very first playthrough, but you don't yeah. actually resolve it and see every angle until later playthroughs. So that's, you know, another nice little bonus. Yeah. And, you know, in the subsequent playthroughs, it was fun to just one shot some of those bosses, but that one still gave me trouble every single time, um, because you had to have a certain attack window and you couldn't just run up to it and hit it and, I just found I hated having to deal with that boss over and over again in the subsequent playthroughs. Um, so some of the other bosses were kind of fun to fight again, like the the one in the kind of elevated cliff village. Um, the Irie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or Irie, yeah, which is a great, great location. Yeah, it's very interesting going into an RPG town and nobody wants to talk to you. <laughs> they absolutely despise you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then there's a quest later where you have to find somebody in that village. And it took me forever. I think I was knocking on every single door. And the guy was, like, tucked way off in the corner. Um, another one of those kind of annoying side quests. Yeah, and and, um, and not only – because you mentioned bullet hell already, which I'm always amazed how, how good of a fit that is for an action RPG. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what other games besides Nier do that. I'm having a hard time thinking of them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I did, I did play something recently that kind of had elements of that, but I couldn't even – I'm blanking on it now. But it's a – I know Automata kind of took the bullet hell and cranked it up to 11. Yeah. And, and, well, I mean, he likes to play around with different genres in it. I mean, you've got that. I mean, it it loves to go back and forth between 2D and 3D in different sections, Mm kind of like sometimes almost forcing you into 2D to kind of make it a little bit more cinematic look. Um, Side-scrolling. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he's got the 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 um, you know visual, visual novel. novel section in the forest. Yeah. Yep, the virus almost. 
I, I remember that. I mean, some of that is, you could also argue is for cost cutting measures. <laughs> to, it's, uh, oh, yeah. it's a lot it's a lot cheaper to to read a whole backstory in 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 a visual novel than it would be to like animate assets for it. Is that the bit where you read about Kainai's backstory, or am I thinking of something else? Yeah, well, there's that, but it's it's used for other things throughout. I mean, that's not the okay. only one. I think you are probably talking about the really really lengthy one, though. Yeah, because that that one was pretty heart wrenching. Mm. Like um, about her, um, her growing up, her childhood with her grandmother and all that. Is that the one mm-hmm. you're referring to? Yeah, the, yeah. The way she was bullied. Yeah, that that happens in the um as part of the second playthrough. That kind of sets up like her um possession by the um by the shade. Yeah, yeah, the shade that she's inhabited by. Which um I don't know. I feel like I feel like this is kind of on Kaine because if she was aware of all these things during your first playthrough, which we later then find out about that she was fully able to understand everything that was happening around her, but never shared that information with um with Nier or with anybody. Like she kept it to herself. Like she was she knew what you were what like the the sins you were really committing mm-hmm. and she did it anyway and kept quiet about it. Hmm. I don't know about that. <laughs> Well, you can understand at least why she did it in terms of the the people of the area. Like, like it uh-huh. it recontextualizes that scene at least, where where you understand like why she didn't give a crap about those people because those people were awful to her. Uh-huh. But <laughs> it, yeah, you you definitely have to sit there and kind of think about that. Like the 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 ethical thoughts that this game brings up are you know like difficult to even parse through. Yeah. Are, are we saying that the whole game is a trolley problem? <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it sometimes. Um, it, it, we haven't even gotten into Meal, which his, his whole story is Meal. Poor um, Meal. So, so he's he's afflicted with the condition where if he he's basically Medusa. If he looks at people, they turn to stone. And then, like I said, well, l- I mean, later. I- at first, he, only for a short while, though. I mean, that, that isn't really the Emil that you spend most of your time with. That's that's only Emil during the young the young part of the game, right? During the during the childhood part, and then um, it. Oh, and I think he's. You know, you're right. He still has his human form for a short while after you encounter him again later. Yeah, it isn't until the time skip that he kind of and ends up in a different body. Yeah, it's a little after the time skip. Like, um, okay, so the the time skip occurs because the village near's village is attacked. Like after you do all these things and rescue Yona, I don't multiple times, I guess, or you know, try to cure. Yeah. You basically just uh, w- waste time for a while and, and and make things kind of move along. I, I guess the the first couple of hours are just about you encountering your your party members. You know, you you mm-hmm. need to have them for the story to continue. So then his village is attacked, and the only way that they can um they can't they can't kill the boss like he's too strong but they can contain him and the only way is by um they shut him in a in in the library basement kaine blocks the door with her body and then tells emil to turn her to stone and so this petrifying her basically blocks the door and that seals in the enemy mm-hmm. but it's her um sacrificing herself it was and, just a heartbreaking kind of, you know like gut mm-hmm. punch when you get to that the end of the first half just to, you know for her to sacrifice herself like that mm-hmm. oh you think for her it was heartbreak or like the, oh, for um, me like it's the player i'm just like no, yeah, heartbroken yeah. yeah but because of kaine yeah 
Oh, for me, it was always everything was always a meal, a meal, a meal. Like everything just centered in a so meal. Much is, oh God, a meal. A meal suffers so much throughout needs. the entire game. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, the whole game is torture porn for everybody, right? <laughs> like the whole human race. And out of everybody, a meal gets it exponentially worse as well. I mean, at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and just the the mental scarring for for having to turn his friend. To, I mean, he basically, for all he knows, right? He's killing her. Yeah, it's it's heartbreaking. She's sacrificing herself, but he's the one that has to do it. <laughs> this 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 young child. Oh lord. And, and it doesn't help that the voice actor just kills it. The I yeah. mean, all, all of the voice acting in this game is top notch. I wasn't the, even going to say it. That is. I, I figured there was so much to talk about that, like I wasn't going to bring it up later. But man, that's yeah. Um, but but the, the male's voice actor just kills it in that scene, mm-hmm. and he sounds so sweet and innocent, you know. Not just in it, that scene. Uh, uh, just everywhere, and is, you know, is it, is it Julianne Taylor? I think. Uh, I I feel like that's it. I can't remember. Um, I'd, I'd, have look, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd have to look. I'd have to look it up. But um, because because she's always sobbing, like he's always sobbing, and and that sounds annoying if you just say it out loud. But it's so oh, heart wrenching in the game because he's he's sobbing for good reason. <laughs> oh, I, I've played games with kid characters that were that whiny that just made me want to punch things. Um, see, yeah, he's not Nino, whiny. See, Nino Kuni two and Star Ocean four, but <laughs> the, the the way that 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 kid was voice acted it yeah. it conveyed the emotion without being just ear grating you know oh yeah yeah, for real. Um, yeah, she's great. I think. So, I think she. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I, again, I don't want to get into the like the voice acting too much, but boy, she's she really sold him, Gil, and that's that's what kind of carried the rest of the game like really hard for me. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. then after the time skip, uh, Emil gets tortured even more. Um, um, so after the time skip, five years pass by, and when you find Emil again, that's when I think that's when they go down to the into the basement and try to like I forget the. Re- Reasoning for it, um, they, they, they find down. a way to unpetrify Kaine, right? Um, <laughs> but did they find it right? But not till after. First, they is uh, that might be why they go into. The, That's to the why they go to the the, the oh, yeah man. yeah the research place. Yes, yes. So they go to the place where under his mansion where he's been experimented on, and they find his sister, sister yeah in in like this twisted monster body that she's turned into, and by I guess killing her or yeah, he takes you know, her power release, yeah right basically release her from her torment he takes it on himself and that's when his body now changes and that's just a whole oh god like if you thought it was bad before like now it's just off the rails for poor, him poor emil has to kill his sister so that he can save his friend it's it's yeah. brutal and then he What's has to walk through life like as a skeleton a, with a, a with the the smiling head yeah yeah ashamed of how he looks he doesn't want his friends to look at him it's kind of it's this um it's funny how like in the first in the first half of the game he can't look at them because he'll turn them to stone and now he doesn't want them to look at him you know yeah yeah um 
I, I also found it funny that they basically made that that smiling head the mascot of the series, in a way. Yeah. Yoko Taro always and, wears it to all the uh, mm-hmm. press things. Yeah, and that, that's you, strangeness. <laughs> yeah, and you know you can buy like ice cube trays with the head and cushions and, <laughs> and stuff like that, um, which which I always found kind of interesting. Even though it's, it, the reason why he's like that is more body horror. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, then then they do um, unpetrify Kaine. Everybody gets reunited, and then stuff happens. <laughs> I don't, I kind of don't remember. The next thing must be like the uh, the 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 Irie or whatever happens there. That must be shortly after. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, okay, then you're because, on the long quest to get back to get back Yona. From yeah, the you have to after, go. Yeah. You have to go collect these pieces of a an emblem or a key or something like that. Yeah, so you can get into the castle. Yeah. And and there's basically scattered in every location that you already visited. Now has this MacGuffin that you have to go back to it and pick up this item because only only united will they will they will only with their powers combined captain planet and all that other stuff <laughs> it's so it's video a, gamey <laughs> yeah it's so i don't know that's pretty that's a pretty weak excuse to go revisit every place but yeah <laughs> that, that that's the uh you know the the budget that this game has kind of showing mm-hmm. but they went with it you know they gave you a reason yeah, and you know, at least with the time skip, it's kind of justified because you can see how things have changed. Uh-huh. Um, do you guys remember that that kind of central temple that you have to revisit multiple times? Yeah, I think that's the one I was talking about, the one that I didn't care to go through because of the, the different like little puzzle rooms you have to push blocks around in and yeah, what, mm, what have yeah. you. I don't know. I got sick of it. I, I got sick of it because I kept getting lost in that area. <laughs> Yeah, the dungeons aren't the game's strong suit. I did, I didn't, I, I didn't even remember that there was a desert dungeon until you guys said it. I still, actually, I, I really still don't remember it. But oh, that one, I remember it also has some of the block and sand puzzles where you have to like push blocks into the moving streams of sand to kind of like figure out kind of things. I remember that part of it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was thinking of when you mentioned that. I also remember some of the dungeons having like combat trials where you couldn't evade or use projectiles or what have you that was the sand the sand um temple because the the whole thing with the the desert dwellers is that they have like a thousand laws that they have set for themselves and their temple reflects that like some rooms you're not allowed to do this some rooms you're not allowed to do that Uh i don't know what kind of weird like social commentary that is i'm not sure what he's getting at there but (laughs) surely something and i remember despising that village because you have to go across a series of platforms to get from point a to b Mm -hmm. and of course inevitably i get impatient and try to jump the platforms and end up falling in the sand and getting taken to start not just platforms slowly moving platform like you have to ride them (laughs) you can't just jump from one to the other you have to wait so slow a little bit of a time sink And um, I, I will admit that, that the map system in this game was c- kind of not that great. Oh, and also lovely that you, um, at some point, you unlock fast travel. Except, just kidding, um, it's not a really true fast travel. It only goes to certain places. And boy, is there still a ton of running needed to visit mm-hmm. the location. Like, it, it would have been nothing to put a fast travel point right by the dungeon or right by the, the desert village or whatever. No, that's not what you get. 
Yeah, they did the same thing in the sequel, and it was also kind of annoying. Yeah, this um, I'm finding that out right now. <laughs> <laughs> Darn you, Yoko Taro. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, he, where he, the, that's where the development effort of making a whole nother iteration of the game went to that, rather than implementing more fast travel points, I guess. Am I the only one that I kind of, I mean, I must be a true Westerner, because I think I would have liked um, being daddy near more than brother near um i i don't know because josh was kind of telling me that the game it feels like there's more character growth with brother near because he basically grows up literally yeah and Mm -hmm. i watched a little bit of the gestalt game or yeah the gestalt gameplay with daddy near and was kind of like yeah i don't think i could have handled an entire game with this guy okay i don't know if it's that but i i definitely feel like i'm more forgiving of the brother being kind of like mindlessly you know um the young brother just being mindlessly full of rage than i am than i am buying like the 40 year old guy doing that Mm -hmm. okay and and that's Sorry, that that's weird for me because general I usually prefer older characters in video games too. I I just I I thought I would have liked um being the older man a little bit more when it comes to especially the first half of the game when it's about saving his daughter. Yeah. Or well, when that's the primary, you know, the the I mean, okay, it's all about saving his daughter, but when when you're actually still able to interact with her when she's talking to you and she's bedridden and sickly and stuff. Like I think to me that would have hit harder if I was her father rather than her brother. Um and and then later once like the group is together, Emil and Kaine and everybody, they're all like somewhat close in age. But I, I, I guess I would have I, I feel like I would have liked uh, the dynamic of having like one noticeably older character in the group a little bit more. Oh, I can see that. But you know, I don't know. It's not the version I played. I was just kind of uh, with it being a remake and putting, you know, with the effort of being put in to remake it. I often don't understand when a remake does not just include everything that it possibly could. And I was like, I was maybe a little bit surprised that that wasn't an option to play it uh, with with Daddy Near, and if you so wanted, it, if you wanted to do that. Yeah, you know, it would have been nice of them to at least let that be an uh, either an unlock at the end of the game or shit even a dlc where you pay like five dollars to play there there is a dlc where you can play him in a new mode but not in the actual story yeah um yeah i forgot i did up with that dlc somehow it's kind of like a combat um trial or something like that but i think it i think it unlocks like narrative elements i i, I don't think i spent a lot of time with it so i'm not 100 percent sure no i i didn't spend a lot of time with it either i just looked at it to check it out and we're like okay well it's mm-hmm. just combat but back to the story um and i don't there was was there other paid dlc for this or was it just that um I'm not so sure. I mean, they did implement, you know, a a lot of other features right into the main game. So I don't really, I'm not aware of any other DLC being, uh, being there for it. I mean, maybe there was cosmetic DLC. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. I knew there was cosmetic because you could get, uh, costumes for automata Mm -hmm. and then all I know about. And then one of, or one of the endings kind of ties more into Atapada, um, which was interesting, me watching these endings after the fact, now having played Atapada and being like, oh, that's who those were supposed to be. 
Is it ending E you're talking about? I believe so. Are you talking about the the twins? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't played Automata yet, so I, I I might not have made the connection that you're talking. I haven't, I haven't finished it yet, so. Yeah. Um. I, I I just realized that those twins were supposed to be the twins of Automata, and um. I don't want to say too much because I don't want to burn a lot of material for Automata. No, no, no. But the the connections were very interesting. Um. I'll just say say that right now. I'll have to put a pen in that for uh, next show. Uh, um, so should we talk about ending E at all? Or? No, go ahead. Um, or maybe maybe before that we should mention ending D. Which itself was kind of infamous. Oh, right. It, was it infamous? I thought it was I thought it was fucking interesting as hell. It, oh, totally. I mean, it was one of the few things, you know, like before playing the game that I had heard about it, like that you have the, the ending where you have to delete your save file to get it. Oh, man, what a shame. That was spoiled for you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, that, that freaked still... me out. <laughs> was, was... You wouldn't not knowing. Say what? Yeah, no, no, I I knew nothing. Oh, I was completely man. blind. Remember, I told you I didn't even I didn't even um want to play Automata before I played it. I <laughs> I reserved playing the sequel until I played this one. And, yeah, and it, it, it was it was spoiled for me, but it was just like okay, I, I need to see this game now. <laughs> yeah. So we talked about ending A, which is the this is just a normal video game. Move along, nothing to see here, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that one. Ending B, where you find out what a true piece of shit you've been all along. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then I, I so that was the highlight the highlight of the game. Um, and then ending, I don't remember which one you needed the weapons for. I think you're right though. You have to collect all the weapons for something. I think it's for ending E maybe. Yeah, Yeah. I think so Um, too. So ending C, the game is basically the same. You play it, you play it for a third time. Um, but this time you what you get like an additional option at the end where you can uh, <laughs> you can choose to save um, Yona I guess or let her go I don't know that's the best the best way I can remember it like do you wanna do you wanna save her or not and the, and if you do save her you're dooming all of humanity forever so you can choose to do that <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's ending C so maybe and, we should call that the bad end. To, uh, I guess it's one of those things where it's like, okay, plunk down a save file here so that I can go back later and see what the other option does. I, I mean, it's that it's that idea, but I don't think you can do that in that game, can you? I feel like yeah, you no. can't do that in near. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't I'm, think I'm not it's possible. Sure. But so that's the bad end, and then ending D is the same exact thing, but polar opposite. This is the one where you sacrifice yourself to i don't know save i guess save, save everybody kinda, right yeah 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 everybody yeah. but you the the main and, character is gone and, and that's the, and that's also the point of not oh yeah no oh, no and also emil is gone but no you're 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 talking about the more important part the by sacrificing yourself it, the game goes through it opens your menu screen and every every item Every uh, codex entry, every map waypoint, I don't know, everything you've, every page in the menu, it one by one. It shows them all being deleted one by, yeah, it's wonderful. It's just like wonderfully painful. Everything you've it, accomplished, we're deleting it all. Yeah. And uh, it you, before you do this, like when you initiate the choice to go down, to end the game with this ending, it gives you four separate question prompts. Are you sure you want to do this? Are you absolutely sure you want to do this? There is no going back. This will kill your character. Like, talk about sense of finality. 
and then it shows everything being deleted in in a very painful slow process all your progress from four playthroughs gone 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 and then you have to enter your name on the screen like the final step i think is what's the name of the character that you're now choosing to delete and you have to enter your character's name and your save file is gone but you saved humanity now this is where the games change because um josh didn't you say that you couldn't get it back no matter what in the uh 360 version yes that was my understanding like it that's yeah. it that was where it ended in the but original then, ending d was it ending yeah. e is is new for the remake yeah and an ending e basically once you play through that it's restored um it's it's not restored on the like it brings you back to the title screen and there is no continue option you can start a new file i don't and i think you have to name it something different i don't even think you can reuse the name i might be i might be lying about that um and then it starts off with the very beginning of the game which you were talking about earlier in the convenience store like uh, yeah the the 20 minutes of the game that you spend like in just the near future as opposed to like a thousand years in the future mm-hmm. so you, you play all that again then you're young near uh, and you play the first half of the game over again and i think you have to play the entire first half up until the time skip or if not if not all the way then probably close and that's when the game decides to change because now um uh, when, when you reach that point Kaine wakes up and it it turns out that what you've just been playing in ending E is actually her dreaming. Like not not the entire, not all five playthroughs are a dream, just that particular uh timeline that you started up there. So right. this is her this is her dream. Now we're in uh ending E then you control Kaine and this is post ending D. So the world has been saved, your character has sacrificed himself, and the world has moved on. And I, I think like something like three years have passed or something, um, since you know you sacrificed yourself and it kind of covers so where is everybody now? What's going on in the world now? And, and Lord, I don't know the what 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 is the story of ending Eve after that? I think it's mostly just basically Kaine is sad <laughs> and she finds a way to bring everybody back. Yeah. Is that is that an accurate summary? I, I, I would so. say so. Yeah. Which is nice. Like that's the it's as it's much surprisingly happy for near. Yeah, yeah. It's it's as close to a Disney moment as you're probably gonna get here. It, it, it certainly ends it on a satisfying note. Uh, satisfying, yet I still had to go watch a plot summary. What, just for ending E? Yeah. Well, I don't really understand the, the storyline and ending E too much. Maybe it's because you said it ties into Automata a lot. Yeah. And that would mean nothing to me. So it's probably convoluted. Yeah, because I, I, well, now I can't remember if it was D or E. One of the endings had like a big flower coming out of the ground. Yeah, that was E. Okay. That's a, I only know that because I just watched the, the, the recap, but yeah, that's E. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, what the hell did I just play? Well, that it, is definitely a Yoko Taro game if you're saying, yeah. what the hell did I just play? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, that that being said, I appreciated the game's weirdness. Um, I, I it did subvert a lot of expectations. Um, oh Lord, you know one thing we haven't really we we t- 
talked about a little bit in passing, but I don't know that we've specifically talked about just how amazing the soundtrack in this game oh, is. Oh, God, yes. And, mm-hmm. like, some of the interesting things they did with the sound design in it, the way that, like, when you, you'll have the music just playing in the background, you'll get into combat, and it just, you know, like, naturally just starts getting more and more upbeat in pace. Um, mm-hmm. Like, when you're, you know, like, uh, as you're going around the village, the Song of the Ancients will be playing and as you get closer to like the town square i can't remember which one it was devila or popola who would sit devila. out in the town devila would sit out there and sing and as you would get closer to her the her oh, voice would yeah. get louder and louder and as you would go away it would get softer and softer all the little stuff they did as well with the music was just fantastic and then i think there's there's a quest where she's not there and it's kind of like wait i don't i don't hear the music where's where's popola maybe it's popola yeah i i personally don't too much understand their involvement in the story um i know that they appear in automata yeah they're they're the overseers in this game and they're they're supposed to just be overseeing yeah. what's going on and making sure everything's going according to plan. <laughs> right. Well, I guess I I guess what I was saying, yeah, I I'm I said that wrong. I don't really understand like the what's behind this behind the scenes of their their role. You know, like there's a little bit more to them than I guess meets the eye that I'm a little unsure of. I, I mean, that, that itself was like one of the big like for me playing it through the first time. I mean, I had a sense that there was something more going on with them, but you get to the uh, to the castle and then they pop out and you're like, oh, OK, yep. Some crap's about to go down. <laughs> yeah. And God, that boss fight sucked. Very um, much so. From what um, I understand, especially- they're the ones trying to revive humanity by bringing together the two grimoires. Um, right. And I guess, yeah, okay. So I guess the reason that they send you on all your quests is to like find grimoire wise first of all, and then unlock the what do they call the the is it called the secret verses? Something the, like yeah, something like that. Um, I I wrote it down in the sheet. Because I, I ask it in the round table, sealed versus the seal. Yeah. So you need, they need that. They need the books. They need the sealed verses. And I think it's to bring back humanity. But then again, uh, you, you know, you, Nier takes the idea and runs with it and wipes out humanity instead. <laughs> but that's, that's as far as I really understand their character. Yeah. They're, they're kind of enigmas in a way. At least that's how I felt about them. But I like their character designs. And, and I will happily admit, I was happy this kind of see them again pop up in automata and i was like hey it's you guys wait weren't you guys the bad guys i can't remember now well kind of but then again kind of programmed that way (laughs) yeah you're right i guess this is a game with no bad guys just are you you making a jessica rabbit joke is that what (laughs) no okay okay that's not a jessica rabbit thing guys no it was just (laughs) no more that way i thought that was yeah oh I mean, they're redheads, and they were—they're—they're they're not bad. They were just programmed that way. Um, <laughs> did did you guys notice in the library that in one of the rooms there's uh, replicas of all the bosses that you fought? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I I thought that no. was kind of neat. And no, uh, you mentioned it. Um, put put a pin in that for Automata, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was part of the hint of Devila and Popola that there was more going on there than you know mm-hmm. than them just being the town leaders. And and I remember when I booted this up for the first time, I, I don't know what I thought the game was like, but when I saw that it was more like an actual RPG, I was kind of stunned. 
and I don't, and I do not remember or can describe what I had built the game up in my head before I played it. Was I, I think I thought it was going to be more well, to be honest, more like Automata, where the, it was a ruined world and how Automata is kind of gray. Yeah, compared to this game, which was surprisingly colorful for how grim it is. Oh yes, Th- thankfully so. Oh, I'm I'm having a hard time with that in Automata. Yeah, I burning material. I I don't like it when Automata the color palette kind of drops out. But we'll, we'll we'll get into that next time. Um, was was the game that colorful on the 360, Josh, or was this kind of an improvement with the remake? Uh, once again, I my memory is that the re, the remake is more colorful and that the original was a little bit more brown and muted. But maybe that's like a bias of that generation of thinking like everything looked a little brown and muted. In the yeah, three, you're not PS3, the only 360. You're not the only person that associates that era of gaming with sepia. <laughs> I, I could just be like imparting that that sort of bias back on it. Gosh, that that that, um, that era was a lot of brown games. If we're I mean if we're making a point to talk about the music now, I mean we've already said Emil's voice actress. Um, you know, we talked about like for me, she's like the um she does the the best like um I don't know. I don't know words right now. <laughs> She's amazing. Um, but uh, so like the rest of the voice actors are really, really good too. And we we really haven't talked about Grimoire Vice at all as far as like voice acting. Oh my gosh. Well, uh, so when I, when I started playing this, that was when I was starting to get into Critical Role, and I knew Liam O'Brien was in it because he I he did a bunch of games during that time. I did not know that um, Laura Bailey was in it um, as Kaine. So to me, it was filthy mouth. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, not only was it weird hearing her kind of filthy mouth, even though granted she she talks like a sailor in Critical Role. To me, what was funnier was hearing them two bicker the whole time, because I know for a fact that they're like best friends in real life, so they must have, they must have had to have a laugh at a couple of this dialogue. The, she, the bickering kept, you mean in near? Yeah, where he oh, kept, their, their exchanges are amazing. But, but it's the banter is so funny. Oh my god! Every time they would get into a little argument, it, I was just dying laughing. Especially knowing that probably after those takes, they were laughing their asses off themselves. Yeah, because they're besties. I mean, you can tell like it's two characters like fighting side by side, but their personalities are the biggest flash of personalities ever. Not, I don't, I don't think they. I don't think it gets to the point where you think that they hate each other, but they cannot, they cannot for a second sit still without picking the other one apart. Mm-hmm. And they both give as good as they get, you know, I mean, they're, uh, they're back and forth is something else. It, it is hilarious. It kind of brings a little bit of levity to the game. Yeah, and um, sure. I, I had to apologize to Josh before the show because he was playing Vice in the bit and in the skit. And, you know, I, I'm, Rewatching some of the cutscenes to refresh my memory about how he his his vocal tics and inflections are, and I'm just like, yeah, this this is what happens when you have a Shakespearean actor play in a, a character that's already over the top. A floating book. Uh, yeah, that's a floating book. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to come up off the cuff with like other equally memorable casts of characters as, you know, Emil, Kaine and Grimoire Vice. I mean, forget Nier. Nier is 
yes. like forgettable milquetoast compared to those three. I mean, they don't. I think he's a, he isn't even officially named near. That's just what fans call him, right? Which I didn't know until I did research for this show, and I thought was kind of interesting. <laughs> it's kind of like in Fight Club how they call the the Edward Norton character Jack, even though he's never named. But but that being said, I thought his vo- I thought his voice actor was pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not the voice actor that I'm knocking, but I mean like he just doesn't. He's not given the same kind of like fun, memorable characterization, you know. It, it isn't that itself like a an intentional choice like from oh. Yoko Taro. It's like you know that that that's your RPG main character. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and, and he's not a he's he's not a fun character. Like he's not out for fun. I mean, no, he's out for serious business. So I guess that's understandable. Yeah, you you, you took the words out of my mouth, Josh. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Is that he's probably boring because he's meant to be the main character and. Uh, <laughs> Not necessarily silent protagonists, but just kind of character or player insert protagonists tend to be rather dull. So, so much of this game is almost like a commentary itself on RPGs, so and video games in general. And I and I appreciate that. I I love it when RPGs kind of make fun of themselves. Um, I know overall, I'm something I pointed out when I wrote the review. I mean, I'll probably nine and a half times out of ten, I'll put on Japanese voiceovers for a game that has them originally in Japanese. But for this game, like I feel like you're really missing out if you don't put on the English um vocal track for the characters. Yeah. Um. They had some of the best voice direction I've ever heard. Um, was the voice acting just as good in the, the uh, older versions, Josh? Yeah, because it was. I, I think it was mostly the same cast. Okay, I I didn't know if they had to re-record a lot I, I, of any. The, of it. the only big difference between the English and the Japanese is that Kaine in Japanese, like all of her swearing is bleeped out. It's kind of like a joke. And so that's kind of like the distinction between the Japanese and the English one. The English one, they leave all the swears in. Yeah. Which is also just in general and something you don't get a lot of RPGs that are full of swearing. (laughs) Filthy. Yeah. It's great. Super filthy. Just worth pointing out. Uh, Now I'm just remembering uh, Final Fantasy VII trying to be edgy back in the day with its swearing. And it did not work. Not hardly. <laughs> Wait, are you saying it was worse than Final Fantasy thirteen with a, a man who had a chocobo living in his hairdo? Yeah, because I liked Saz. I thought he was cool. Oh, so th- so you didn't like you didn't like Barrett? No, I liked Barrett. I'm sorry, are we not? Is that not who you're talking about? No, Barrett no, is the I... only character in Final Fantasy seven I remember as occasionally being a little filthy. Yeah. Well, I I think the uh, American localizers were trying to be really edgy to appeal to to appeal to an older crowd of uh, you know really mature thirteen year olds that think cussing all the time <laughs> is cool. Um, I mean, I was thirteen when I played it, and I did think Barrett was cool, but not I'm not for that reason. I don't think. No, I I liked Barrett because he was a complex character and had a gun <laughs> gun for a hand. Okay, you got the you got the correct part there. You had a gun yeah. for his hand. That's the correct that's why he's cool um i i didn't particularly care for the the mr t localization just because i did think it was a little bit stereo kind of stereotyping a little bit but well they took that and ran with it in remake so i hope you enjoyed that yeah i don't 
don't think they Mr. T'd him up nearly as bad and, and as <laughs> it was. He's, but maybe that's okay. just me. He's so urban in that game. <laughs> no, no, you're right. He is, but it didn't come. I, I guess back then it came off as trying to be more stereotypical than it is now. Mm. Um, but that being said, I, I appreciate that they're starting to add more uh, diversity into uh, RPGs. Um, and, and that's that. Um, I think we kind of covered everything except for the pricing uh so it's interesting that back in the day the ps3 version was kind of hard to find and looking it up today now the ps3 version is really easy to find and it's the 360 version that looks a little bit more obscure and you're going to pay more for but that's only if you want to play as the daddy character um I've seen them both for as low as 15 bucks. Um, That being said, the PS4 remake, which honestly I think is the better version of the game, uh, is as low as $20 for PS4 and Xbox. Um, Also, Steam, if you feel like paying $60 for it, even though it does go on sale quite a bit. I mean, it's definitely the better version. It has additional content, better graphics, more more voice dialogue, um, a whole new ending. Yeah, there's no question. Better combat. Yeah, Yeah, much better combat. Right. So, um, yeah, go go find it in a bargain bin at your GameStop or whatever your local game store is. And hey, if you have a PS5, you can play it on your uh, PS5 and have faster loading times. So that being said, I I think we're ready for the roundtable, unless we have anything else we wanted to add. Um, Overall, how did we like this game? We sound pretty positive. I I love it. Like it, it it was, you know, like one of my favorite games of two years ago. And I mean, I I just think it's such an interesting exploration of storytelling in video games that it's something that everyone should really give a try. Yeah, I, I was surprised with how much I enjoyed it. Um, all, all things being said, you know, I, I remember kind of the, the negative press the uh, older versions got, and I, I just I really wanted to try it because of I, I'd heard so much stuff about the storytelling, and you know the oh, it's the game that asks you to delete your save file. What's that all about? <laughs> um, so when I heard that it was getting a remake, as, as soon as it, I could kind of find it for a little bit cheaper, um, I think I only ended up paying like forty dollars for it I, I picked it up and played it as soon as i had time and yeah i it was one of those games that i i couldn't put down and i, I enjoyed it a lot too and uh, pascal obviously you reviewed it yeah i was very positive about it um do you remember what score you gave it uh four out of five okay no yeah, that, so, that. You, i don't think i would go any higher even now um Josh, I was going to ask, is it, it was one of your favorite games that year, but like, is it like favorite game full stop status for you? Mm, I don't know if it goes that high because, because like you, like we've talked about, like the, the repetition, it does interesting things with it, but you still are repeating a lot of, you know, it has a very confined scope that that you're 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 dealing with so that definitely has a downside to it as well it probably limits its 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 you know like how high it can be for me yeah the, the repetition was kind of a downside and the kind of depressing story was also a little, little bit of a downside um it, it could definitely be depressing <laughs> You know, d- definitely not the game you want to play when you're having a bad mental health day. Um, pop, pop in, well, I was going to say pop in Fuga, but that's a bad, not really a, much better. <laughs> that's, not, that's not happy. 
Uh, Mario, you, know what I will, you know what I'll give it though. Um, as far as like the depressing, um, it's it's the kind of depressing that I like. Mm-hmm. So there's depressing that's just uh, like it will just grind you down, <laughs> like the way I kind of feel about Nier Automata right now. Um, but it's more, it's just like it's more persistent. Um, and 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 like a like a dull depressing. And so, but Near Replicant. Like yeah, it is all of that, but it it's um it's cathartic. Okay, that's searching for the word. Like I feel like the the depression is cathartic in this game because it it always spikes in. It's not just like a depressive constant atmosphere, but it keeps spiking in these moments where you can really kind of release the emotion a little bit, you know? Yeah, it it has lighthearted moments to kind of balance the sad moments, and for for me, it, it's a sad game but not like a oh my god i i need to go sit down or i need to walk away for a little bit and and, i mean some of that for me is like a reflection you know the fact that it can be depressing it's just like what a great job they did in creating these characters that i care about so much yeah you know i really cared about cared about a meal and every single time he sacrifices Mm -hmm. himself at the end of the game i'm just devastated every time i'm like no no a meal no i didn't even (laughs) mention that does that that's like ugh, that's so heartbreaking oh emil 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 is all sacrificed poor poor emil oh uh, <laughs> yeah you know. it's killing so, me yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of with you too josh like i i would still stand by like four out of five it's it's mm-hmm. a really good game but i don't think i could ever see myself desiring to replay it not not even because of the repetition just because i don't know it's like it's it's an experience more than yep. it is a game. Yep. Yeah. And I've experienced it now. And if I played it again, it would just be different. You know, it wouldn't be the mm-hmm. same. And I, I would rather remember it the way, like, the first time in, you know? Yeah. I, I think if I was going to replay it, I'd play it more for the cool combat and just kind of skip the cutscenes. But, yeah. but that's me. Um, it's and- kind of like, you can't put it down, but I'm also... I'm hard pressed to say like, so what did you enjoy about it? Mm, Well, gosh, I don't, (laughs) what things about it, like just make my heart sore. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It's so sad and and repetitive and (laughs) I don't know if it's enjoyable really. Enjoy. I enjoyed how thought provoking it was about, you know, like so, so many of these games I'm going around and slaughtering all this stuff. And and now it's like, are you the bad guy? Well, maybe I am. I don't know. Um, It's like Shadow of the Colossus again. I don't enjoy that either. No, I don't enjoy killing these creatures, but still great game. I did it. (laughs) You didn't turn around and leave. No, twice. I, that that is one. I I also played the remake there, but anyway, yeah. So I did like it a yeah, lot. Maybe we can get into our high points of the game and the round table. What, what do you guys think about that? Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe we'll find some high points if we explore the round table a tad. So we're gonna have a brief musical interlude with some of that lovely music. I didn't even say the compose composer. It was uh, Studio Monica and Keiichi Okabe. Um, t- to be honest, I really don't know who that is, but uh, the the marketing kind of made a big deal about the music. So there you go. Um, we'll we'll cut in with some and the music. Singer, the, yeah, the the, the, f- the female singer Amy Evans. I I'm I'm usually 
not a fan of like vocal tracks in a video in a video game soundtrack. But I, I'm not, she's I'm by, pretty incredible. It's so good and so haunting yeah. and just like it when, when when those tracks kick in, it's just it it really sets the mood. I might have more to say about that in Automata as a tease. But I'm teasing the round table now, so we'll, we'll be right back. RPG Backtrack, where we are now getting into the roundtable, talking about our, our favorite moments and other things in, in near Gestalt slash Replicant. Um, my first one, obviously. Uh, what's your favorite moment from the game? Now, I had to take out the funniest, because there isn't a lot of funny moments, but just the, the, the most memorable moment for you guys. Well, well, we were talking about that a little bit in between sessions here, and it, like there were funny moments, especially between uh, Kaine and Grimoire Vice. But I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm struggling to think of one specific one that sticks out in my mind. There were just like lots of you know like great interactions between the, between the two of them. Um, I don't know, like the one moment, I don't, definitely not funniest moment, but like one of my favorite, one of my the the most hmm, heartwarming moments that, that I remember from the game. And I think it, it was right at the beginning of the second half of the game where, you know, Kaine and um, Emil have helped save the village from, you know, the uh, giant monster that had been trapped in the uh, library at the, uh, you know, for that five-year time skip. And, you know, even though they had managed to save the village, like, the villagers still, you know, hate Kaine and Emil, basically because of who they are and the way they look, and they force them to uh, camp outside the village. They're not allowed to come inside the village. And Emil, at this point, he's, you know, like, been transformed by the power into you know the 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 disfigured face and he's you know horrified by it and doesn't want anyone to look at him and there's just this little scene between him and Kanye where Kanye's trying to kind of like uh you know soothe him about it like about the way he looks it was just like this wonderful little heartwarming scene between the two of them and two of my favorite characters in the game well i i forgot about the whole camping outside the the city stuff and how how pissed off uh, the main character gets and the uh, emil and Kaide are like it's fine don't worry about it yeah you know kind of appreciating him sticking up for them and then and then being like whatever these guys are assholes don't lose sleep over it yeah Um, isn't it and isn't it great that Kaine takes on that role for Emil like he is the one character that she shows like genuine care and um affect for you know because mm-hmm. she's so so hard-nosed all the other times and i i don't know if it's just that one time i feel like that might have been a few moments like that yeah they so, had they definitely had a little bit of a connection yeah 
that's um that's really great and considering like how easy it would have been for for kaine to become like the waifu character it's kind of nice that that isn't how she's the way i mean (laughs) her character design the way she was dressed up i i don't know i feel like there's a reason for that but she doesn't degrade down that um stereotypical road Uh, maybe not in the game but in the merchandise well okay (laughs) (laughs) i can't argue probably there i don't um but i mean that's what i remember her best for is also that stuff with with emil so like again strong writing outshines all those other things oh there's definitely a brother sister dynamic there that that's beautiful um that being said so my, my most memorable moment is from a side quest and i kind of kind of look at it and chuckle now but at the time i wanted to throw my controller across the room because that that freaking side quest where you had to walk across the desert without running or jumping or anything because you had to deliver a package that you could break and i think i had got to like the outskirts of the city or the desert city where you had to deliver it and you know i I was using one of the magics that just kind of automatically sprays bullets everywhere to deal with um any enemies that would have attacked me and i i say i say in the sheet that um i tried to jump but now now i remember i got taken out by a wolf that was off camera oh no And, I don't even remember what you were delivering on that thing. Was it a plate or something? But it's breakable, and if you do anything, you run, you attack, or anything like that, you just hear a little crack, and then, you know, Grimoire Vice <laughs> makes some sort of like, oh, God, you know, like, not again, did, sort of thing. Did you break it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then and then you have to go back and d- get the thing and walk all the way over to wherever you yeah, I don't, I, the if, desert. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you're allowed to fast travel during that either. Like yeah. you have oh. to walk the entire way from like <laughs> one side of the map to the other, basically. Yeah, and well, I, I was hoping. Sorry. No, I, I, and I, like I said, I think I was depending on Kaine and Emil to kind of defend for me, and one of the um, ma- magics to basically just kind of bullet automatically bullet hell everything around me so that nothing would hit me. And apparently something hit me, and I I don't even think I finished that quest after that. I was so mad. <laughs> well, you'll at least you'll be happier knowing that those damn wolves got what's coming to them. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's funny to talk about now, but not so much while I was playing the game. <laughs> Anyway, what was your most memorable moment, Pascal? Well, we kind of already mentioned it, um, and it certainly isn't a funny moment. It's when um, is it Emil takes out the um, the Airy? Is um, his powers yes. kind of like yeah. run amok? Right, I think it's in order like to kill a boss or uh, yeah, he kind of loses control and and, mm. and doesn't just take out the boss, but kind of kills everybody. And it's I think that's when it it's that scene after when he's coming to terms with what he did and like the um the crying is so gut-wrenching and real Mm -hmm. like um and and i feel like i'm beating a dead horse about it but uh that's i think that was the moment that made me like more or less look up and say like wow like whoever you know whoever this lady is that's doing the voice like i love you for this this is far and above like what i would expect us to hear 
or, uh, in, you know, in a game or elsewhere. Um, and I know we mentioned it already, but it definitely would be like the number one thing I remember about the game. And, you know, like I said before, that that could be a, no- a moment that could be so annoying to in other games. But when you have a good voice hmm. actor that can na- nail that, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, do you guys do you guys remember um, a side quest that I, I, I thought this was like a little memorable also about the uh, the lighthouse keeper, the old lady in the seaside town? I remember something about that, but I don't remember the details. It, so it it is. Um, I don't remember how optional it is. Like some side quests are not like super optional, but um, you get a side quest to to deliver. Okay, so I think what it is is um, some some townsperson tells you the the postman broke his leg or for whatever reason he can't make deliveries. So you go to to the mailman and you volunteer to make deliveries for him. And one of the deliveries is to the lighthouse lady. You deliver her a letter. And I believe you do a couple of those. Like you continue bringing her letters and like over the course, and and she's like a real crotchety old lady. And (laughs) over the course of like the narrative of the, the side quest, you find out, well, these letters are from her, her lover. That's, I can't quite remember where he is. He went somewhere. He's been gone for years. Like, and so he's writing her letters to let her know, you know, he's, um, he's alive and she's, she's, she's old, but she's like, I'm looking, you know, I can't wait to see him again. And sometime soon I'll, I'll go on, on a, a voyage to go see my love. And so as the, the quest carries on at some point later, um, the, 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 Mail carrier uh, tells you that those are actually fake letters that her um, her lover died like years ago. And in order to spare her the pain from that, the mailman or or maybe it's other people in town like these, the townspeople have been writing these letters on his behalf and making it as if he's sending her letters still. And then so now now that you know that you can literally go tell her or you can keep the secret and just let her keep believing that that's her um, her long lost love. And it's just a side quest, but it's and I, I don't even think it impacts the actual game story in any way at all but it's so like neat <laughs> no but it, it, it's it's an it's one of those moments that kind of flushes out the game world a little bit that yeah. i think that that's the purpose of good side quests that's it it's the kind of like story i wish every side quest could have especially because this game has a lot of bs ones <laughs> like the one yeah. i just mentioned like that and a lot of other real bs <laughs> the egg that i couldn't find um travel all the way across the map to pick up one single item then go and then go you know to the farthest other corner to go deliver it multiple times mm-hmm. yeah yeah i don't like side quests like that i like side quests that have a little bit of a important story to them that t- tell more about the characters in the world yeah um Speaking of characters, we kind of mentioned this already. Who who are our favorite characters in this game? Oh, don't we love them all? Um, like like entertainment value. I mean, it's got to be Grimwald Vice. He was he was just so so fun, so entertaining. The verbal spats with Kaine, um, you know, like his, and the voice acting was fantastic. I mean, like in terms of the way the story hits. I mean, it's like Emil and Kaine. Um, like the the one character we probably won't bring up is the main character. Yeah, <laughs> we've already cause... discussed. He was, you know, he's kind of bland. 
whether or not that's inten- yeah, whether or not that's intentional is left up for debate. I think it's intentional. I mean, yeah, but, I, mean I mean the fact that for what reason though? Like intentional could be for a lot of different reasons. You know, like you said, it could be just because he's meant to be a commentary on the stereotypical protagonist, or is it? You know, like I would say it's intentional because that does that just doesn't suit his part in the story is to yeah. you know to be quippy or um you know grimoire of vice is feisty as hell which is hilarious <laughs> but that wouldn't suit the protagonist at all yeah i i think the blandness of that character is intentional so that you can put yourself more in their shoes so that you know when you realize that you're doing horrible things you're intended to feel bad mm-hmm. that's my interpretation because the main yeah. character doesn't really express that he is hell-bent on saving his sister the whole time and, whatever and the, the fact, cost <laughs> and the fact that they had to kind of make him bland on purpose so that it could easily exchange the, him out with the you know between the daddy and brother character <laughs> I, yeah. um, I got another character I'll mention, but he, certainly not my favorite character. Um, that's already been discussed enough. Yeah, and he's the main cast has already taken up basically enough time. Um, the King of the Desert region is kind of a, a neat character too. Um, over the course of the game, you help him out when he's a when he's a kid. I I, I think you help him ascend to the throne the first time you meet him. Uh-huh. Then five years later, you attend his wedding. So like milestones in his life. And then of course the, well, not of course, I mean, but we did allude to it. His wedding turns into a tragedy. Then you avenge his, uh, his deceased bright bride to be. So another, you know, key moment in his life. And then, so what I think is kind of neat is when he comes back at the, uh, I think it's during every ending um, during the last dungeon, when you're fighting, um like a maybe incredibly tough boss yeah yeah oh yeah um what are they called a spirit no not spirit um i forget what the the ghosts damn what does the game call them again i can't remember um shade when you're fighting like a a big uh a a shade of a, a giant boar or something like that the king and you're losing like i don't think there's any way you can win uh the king and his um some of his his like you know elite guards or whatever show up and kind of do that whole like that heroic moment where it's we'll hold him off we'll buy you time to get out of here you know like basically for all we know i think sacrificing themselves mm-hmm. so so you can go on um to your quest so he gets uh he gets a little bit of love well you you unlocked a memory that i suppressed of that damn chase with the boar up the spiral staircase that mm-hmm. i think i had to restart start like a dozen times because if that thing catches up with you it's an instant game over Mm. i forgot how bad that that segment pissed me off (laughs) like uh, probably because i suppressed the memory (laughs) Um, sorry sorry to do that no that's okay it it's it's good for the show um the the my my favorite character i was about to say weiss just because of how over the top he is and big voiced by one of my favorite voice actors but then i sat and thought about it and it's like no emil needs to get the prize from me because not only is he just a cinnamon roll that you can't help but love but you know (laughs) i i appreciate kid characters in video games that aren't annoying because it is so easy to make them annoying you you know uh, what i what i call the shinji makame syndrome or or, (laughs) i'm sorry shinji ikari syndrome yeah different 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 guy (laughs) 
<laughs> no, my bad. I I forgot blanked on the name, but you know who I'm talking about. The kid from yeah, Evangelion. Yes, yes. You know, well, Mio. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say he's. I mean, he in a way he's not even a kid. You know, he has he has enough trauma for multiple lifetimes. So he's kind of outshined the whole like kidness to his character. Mm-hmm. But but isn't it implied that he's only like ten years old? Uh, maybe I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't remember his age, and he may be like. I'm not saying he's not physically a kid, but no, I know. Like, thankfully, there's so much going on with him that him being a kid never even enters into like his uh, the picture for him. <laughs> yeah, and then like you said, with the voice acting being such top top notch and not annoying, um, just ma- makes it even better. So uh, Emil gets my my favorite character. Though Vice gets runner up just because he he is pretty funny um so <laughs> you had protested this one pascal but i i was curious did you guys have a favorite magic uh sealed verse aka magic ability that you like to use Ooh, i mean like your answer is probably the correct one but like I, i'll go with dark hand because i just remember the animations of it where grandma weiss like grows this gigantic fist that you then just like bash the boss with which just mm. like very viscerally satisfying to watch yeah um i mean truth be told i found all of them to be kind of useful and and with the way the game goes, you can easily customize them to use as many as you. Well, not as many, not as many as you want, but you can, you can customize them however you wish. And that that dark lance ability was just it was so satisfying to char- charge up several lances and then just have them slice through different enemies. And not, not only that. There was a version of that during and uh, Elden Ring that I liked. And I'm great. I played this before I played Elden Ring, but it's reading about it again. It's like, oh yeah, that explains why I like that ability so much in Elden Ring because I've done it before. Uh, and and I like abilities that can take take things out uh, off screen or before you see them. Um, That's fueled by your experience with that wolf. I feel yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think I had that ability when I was trying to do that quest. So that, yeah, that was during the first playthrough, and I'm pretty sure that's a late game ability. But it, it's been a while, so I don't remember exactly. And but Pascal, you said that you can remember. Yeah, no, uh, I'm too far removed. Just w- whatever magic kills things. Pretty much, they they were all great. <laughs> I honestly only remember the ones I, I don't even remember them, but the ones you guys described, you know, you, you, you described them vividly enough where they sound familiar. And that's the only two I could even name at this point. Um, it was also kind of funny getting different options for uh, what the round bullets looked like, in- including getting a one that looked like a meal's head. Yeah, I want is I think that might be new to the remake. I think that might oh, be like a little extra thing. I don't. I, I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, like a little a little bonus. Um. So, did you guys what were you? Do you guys remember what you were doing in your life when you was playing these games? See, I remember playing the original back on PS3, and I was playing it like many years after it came out. It may have even been when the PS4 was around. That was one of those games I tried to go back to later on to to experience it. And I don't think I even got to the first ending. Was and it wasn't like a, oh I hated it or anything. It was just one of those things where, you know, like you're playing an older game and then you know new shiny stuff comes along and you just never get get back 
around to that playthrough you were working on on the GameCube game or whatever you pulled out. Um, yep. So I was just really happy to to have this game come out and, you know, the remake to come out to give me a new chance to kind of play it and experience it again. I, really th- I think this was one of the first games that I played on my PS5 because um, it came out around July of... No, wait, no, hang on. No, it came out in April, but... I found a price drop at around July. Actually, now that I think about it, I think it was my JRPG July game that year. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, there wasn't that much PS5 stuff when it when it came out. And the, the bundle I got, all it came with was uh, Ratchet and Clank and Miles Morales. Um, See, I think you were playing it a couple months after I did. I remember texting with you about it, but we weren't playing it at exactly the same time. Yeah, because he was giving me hints about all the different weapons. and. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember chatting with you about it, and I had to remind myself, like, yeah, we were playing it at the same time. It was a little bit of a, a disconnect. Yeah, but I, I remember being surprised how much I, I enjoyed it when we were chatting together. It's like, man, this game is really good. <laughs> Um, but but yeah, that that's my memory is nothing too specific. Just chatting with you and playing it on my PS5. So isn't that always fun when you're when you're playing it kind of same time as somebody else? And oh, I I love that. Yeah, it's um, like my only good memories from playing Metal Max was doing it at the same time you were Pascal and like well, chatting on all of our problems with it. <laughs> suffering it, it together yeah it wouldn't it wouldn't be a, a recording of a backtrack if we didn't name drop metal max <laughs> one time at least you know we got our scheduling session oh, come no. up, coming up do we need to address this trauma no <laughs> well wait a minute there's a there's a third um a third person who suffered as well somebody reviewed the remake of metal magazine <laughs> So technically, you, there's three of us who've reviewed it on staff now. So yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's enough for a full panel. Because you know, you got to play it. I was gonna say, you know, I'm willing to suffer for the bit if I can find the game for cheap. And as bad as you guys make this sound, I could probably. Oh. Well, who knows? Maybe it's so bad that nobody bought it. And it's a collector's item for all I know. <laughs> oh man, that's that's a whole other thing. It's 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 annoying in how close it gets to being good in certain spots, mm-hmm. but still is terrible. <laughs> so Josh, if, if that about, makes sense. How about this? We'll agree yeah. to to do a, a podcast on Metal Max if and when Kelly and Matt have both played and finished it. There you go. <laughs> oh man, I gotta do it too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which one was the remake? Re- Zeno Reborn? Yes. Yeah. Oh god. There wasn't that oh. much of a difference. No, there's they were pretty what were they a year or two apart maybe two yeah yeah maybe you know reborn maybe is pretty cheap it's 20 bucks they, they they basically made it look a little bit better on you know because it, it it was rough on the ps4 stop, <laughs> it still looked like a Vita game to, <laughs> no it wasn't it looked great and it was fun all right you guys play it now oh i'm saying stop trying to turn them off my god <laughs> let's see which which was this on the uh, nintendo store or just in case it goes, if it goes under ten bucks, <laughs> you also said that yeah, Target has it for like thirty. I don't know. Um, we'll have to see if I can find it cheap. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you know, if you guys want me to suffer that bad, you can buy it for me. I know one of you has my address. <laughs> Very true. 
So anyway, I, I think I think that's the show when we're when we're bringing up Metal Max. I think it's time to call it a show. <laughs> that's yeah. our new rule, huh? Metal Max well, comes up, it's time for it to be over. Well, you know, Metal Max or Dungeon Crawlers or what was it with Mike Mohiki? Uh Matt, now I can't remember. There was one game. Rainbow ga- Sky? It ra- yeah, there was that, and there was that one dungeon crawler that he hated. Oh, Mary Skelter. The first Mary Skelter. I yeah. made Phil, well, I didn't make him happen, but we were talking one December, and Phil, like, live during the recording, sent Mike the $8 because I had mentioned, I was like, oh, you know, it's on the Vita sh- sale right now for 8 bucks." <laughs> and Phil's like, $8? We can get an episode out of this. <clears throat> and we will at some point. Um, it was, uh, I just remember, what is it, in the final laps we used to do, he went on and on and on about that game for about three or four episodes worth of final laps. Yeah, and the, the funny thing is that then me and Anna played it, and we both kind of liked it, despite mm-hmm. all its flaws. Uh, now T- Tam is playing one of them on his stream, and uh, well, he's um, enjoying it. I'd, I'd like to get a backtrack of the entire series at, all at once. I just need to finish the other two games and not have shine. They're not short games. either. That's a that's a long. It's a lot of game to play, <laughs> or you know, not not get sucked into stupid puzzle games about fruit. <laughs> That that'll be a hint for RPG cast if we have one this week. Um, but but that being said, uh, we we will, we will be talking about Near Automata in the next show. It was very hard not to bring it up, knowing that we were going to talk about it. But um, now now next show we'll be able to kind of compare and contrast a little bit because you know I didn't want to burn all the material. Um, but yeah, I, I believe that's the show. Th- thank you, Josh, and thank you, Pascal, for mm-hmm. hanging out. And th- thank you, Matt, of course, for the eventual editing and co-producing. I appreciate that. Anytime. And uh, th- thank you, listener, for j- joining us on this fine show. We will be back in a couple of weeks to talk about Love, Death, and Robots, or Androids. Is is, it, is there a difference between Androids and Robots? I can never remember. Oh, man. Yeah. Androids look human. Right. Robot right. can yeah. be anything. <laughs> I think that's got to be it, yeah. Okay. Well, um, th- think about Robots or Androids, and we shall see you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh,